On this episode, it's the return of the Premier League. It's as if we never left. The feeling of being home. Haaland is still scoring. Arsenal are still top. Everton still shit. This is the Talkie Talkie podcast. World Cup? What World Cup? We've just been waiting for the club football to resume for a month and finally it's here. No one here cared about international football anyway. It was all about club glory. So it's finally here and we, we couldn't be happier. Some people are more happy than the others, particularly some clubs in red who've made surprise signings from under the noses of other uh, clubs. So to begin with, I think I'm going to go to Radhaji to kick us off. Uh, Radhaji, what's your talkie point of the week and how was the weekend for you? Hey Swag, uh, good to get back to the Premier League grind, I would say. Uh, the week has been great, really nice to see the teams, uh, the Premier League action back. I think we saw the change in tempo and pace in the games uh, this weekend versus at the World Cup, at least in some games, not in all. Um, my talkie moment of the week, while yeah, like you mentioned, Gakpo, I think that was uh, that came very close for me, I guess, perhaps uh, as, as making the talkie moment, but... What I'll go for is uh, Stefan Bajetic's uh, goal. I think he, he his superb goal to kind of remove the pressure off Liverpool when it was a little bit of a difficult time in the game. Uh, amazing composure as he rounded the keeper and finished off. Uh, became the third youngest scorer at Liverpool after Owen and uh, Sterling and the second youngest Spaniard to score in the Premier League after Fabregas. Uh, he's been one that uh, Klopp and uh, Pep Linders have been talking about for a really long time. Like like all through the year in preseason, he was one of the guys that they, everybody was keeping an eye on. So great to see him actually um, step up and do something noteworthy at the top level. He's got a few chances before this, but a goal uh, really puts the exclamation point. So yeah, that's my talking moment of the week. Interesting company that you mentioned there, Owen and Sterling, both of whom went on to have careers with your rival clubs. I wonder who Bajicic is going to be, I've already butchered his name, but where he's going to be playing in 10 years' time, maybe at Man City, maybe at Newcastle, considering the way they've been coming up. You never know. We'll have to wait and watch. RK, how's it been for you? What's your talkie point? Hey, guys. It's been a good week catching up again with Premier League football after, what, six weeks now? Uh, it's not like we miss football, but it's always good to have PL back. Uh, I... I think after all the banter with respect to Alexander Arnold and you know him being in cold storage for all these weeks, I am going to pick Alexander Arnold's pass to uh, Andy Robertson as my uh, moment of the week, a talking moment of the week. I think that was brilliant pass and he reminded us what he's capable of with the ball. But also a bit of a shout out to the United fans who made a new name uh, or a new song for uh, Garnacho, just remodeling the Ronaldo one. Viva Garnacho, running down the wing, here United Singh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, always good to recycle something that um, that suddenly become available, right? Uh, for no fault of the fans, there is a song that's available, but no one to sing it for. Why not give it to a young and upcoming talent like Garnacho? Right, Ashwin, how's it been for you? Care to sing the song? <laughs> no, not yet. I don't want to jinx it. Uh, I think um, it's great to have the Premier League back, obviously. Uh, for me, it's like 
the only way you can uh, get rid of a hangover is to drink more right so after the great world cup that we have had uh, like our favorite uh, club competition has finally returned um my talky moment of the week swag uh, is asin wenger returning to the emirates uh, uh, asin wenger is pretty top of mind for me i've been reading his autobiography as well uh, and he talks about you know his dedication and his passion for arsenal football club so it's great to see him uh, the the professor as he was called uh, back at the emirates and to also see arsenal's performance over the weekend uh, they continued their winning streak and um, i mean who knows we might finally see the gunners win the win the title this time yeah always good to see wenger back in in arsenal terms much better than what he's been up to as part of fifa the talky point of the weekend would be haland it's like that machine exterminate exterminate nothing nothing doing no six week layoff making any sort of a difference for him he's already scored more goals than i don't remember i, I mean all these stats banding around more goals this season than the best gerard season ever or best this guy ever best that guy ever he's apparently four or five goals away from being the most goals scored in a debut season so it's it's like he never left and probably the six week break did him more good than uh, harm it didn't disturb his rhythm and he's ready to go go on further you know talking of things sort top of mind and reading uh, i heard your you know you guys spot from last week of the world cup final and swag you mentioned angels with dirty faces so i have picked that up thanks for the reference ah perfect and uh, to begin then i think uh, we talked about haland but uh, ashwin talked about wenger returning to emirates and um, our arsenal finally in with a shout and we will obviously not consider whatever arun has to write on the group because that's just white noise for us but are they serious contenders or and it could also be the fact that we consider them as serious contenders but the shadow of uh, city looming so large is just enough that we don't consider them is that the case you know five points dropped in 15 games uh, is kind of the more i think about it it's so unreal right 15 games 40 points 13 wins one draw and just one loss the way that they are going obviously they have a few tough fixtures coming up and uh, you know we will know something more about them but uh, time and again they seem to be able to fight back uh, from uh, tough situations which in the past we have already talked about we would not have ascribed to them again in this game they didn't have the best of that first half uh, although they dominated it they fell behind uh, again a silly mistake right in front of the watching arsin wenger you might have thought okay this is a relapse into old times in front of him is it and then they just come out fighting in the second half and they have this 15 20 minute patch score three goals and this has become a pattern now uh, it's it's become a pattern that we have talked about it so many times i think the we have to i mean whatever arun says and he says a lot of stuff he told me yesterday that arsenal can still finish 6th or 7th in the league but leaving all that aside you know it's it, it the time has come to really put them down as serious contenders yeah it seems too too good to be true right like that 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 form uh, uh it it's something that you would probably associate uh, the peak 
City or the Liverpool teams to uh, to have. Um, I think I think what is great about this Arsenal team is is the self belief that that they have. Um, they were obviously one goal down, but they also got a goal uh, before the half time. It was obviously ruled out um, <clears throat> by VAR, but like they did get that goal. Uh, they did. They did get that goal, and uh, after the after the after the halftime interval, it 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 felt as if you know uh, Arteta instilled this confidence in them to come out all guns blazing, and they got those quick fire goals. Um, quick shout out to <clears throat> Saka. Um, I think he was incredible again. It, I mean, the boy just seems to have you know um, been resurrected after the 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 disappointment that he faced at the Euros. Um, I still won't call them champions yet. I know it's a it's a tradition across rest of Europe to call uh, to to you know to christen the team which is at the top as winter champions. But I would still not call them champions yet. I feel that City have a better squad, um, and also the fact that Arsenal have Europa League to play, it it might come down uh, to haunt them later as well. So uh, let's see how how things pan out. But Arsenal are looking in. Like pole position to uh, to you know to finish quite strongly and then potentially uh, get the title. Yeah, man, I don't know about that. I've I think uh, I'm turning into a believer. I, I'm beginning to believe. Uh, before we broke for the World Cup, I was firmly on the well. Actually, a couple of weeks before we broke for the World Cup, I was firmly on the city are going to pip them bandwagon. Uh, I still maybe I'm slightly, but it's very very slight at the moment. Uh, I expected Arsenal to lose or draw this game. Uh, I thought the World Cup disruption will break what was an outlier season for them prior to the World Cup. But more and more, again and again, any time I have these doubts, they're actually showing uh, showing me that the game against United was the outlier, and that the rest of the season is what uh, perhaps the level that they are holding themselves up to. That is the standard. Uh, Saka, you mentioned, I think he was the hero. Uh, I thought that given Jesus is missing. And uh, them coming back from a break, this is where things start to fall apart for Arsenal. But Saka just grabbed this game by the scruff of the neck and really carried them. A real big shout out though to the uh, third goal that we see. It's one of the best goals I think we'll see in a long time. The one-touch triangles, a perfect through ball, a superb turn and a finish. Enketia, who none of us really talk about at, at all really, has got 11 out of 11 at the Emirates. But I mean... I keep coming back to the guy Saka. Uh, we talked about him after maybe three or four weeks. We talked about how he's perhaps not reached the level that he did last season and everybody else was carrying Arsenal. But the composure of that first goal, what a clean finish. And then the strength to bump off Rice in that second goal. Going away with England seems to be helping uh, the likes of Saka. So at this rate, I think it's coming home. Against France as well, when Saka was on the pitch, England were a different uh, looking setup altogether. I'm just wondering, um, I, okay, I'm, I'm probably siding with uh, Radha here in terms of I'm still leaning a bit towards City, but that's probably because of their history. And uh, imagine saying that about City. But uh, yeah, Arsenal are refusing to go away, right? Whenever you throw them a challenge, they're still there. I'm just wondering what uh, folks like Woodrick would bring to this squad when they when they come in. I mean, I'm, I'm expecting that this transfer will go through, but uh, more more uh, competition for places with folks like Martinelli, I guess. Um, 
RK, do you have any thoughts on that? Yes, but first of all, uh, talking about Arsenal City, I, I am still going for City for sure, even though they are five points behind. Uh, what I meant with respect to Arsenal is staying the course for a title challenge. I think uh, there is definitely no doubt that, uh, you know, barring some weird results in the next seven or eight fixtures, they will be staying the course on a title challenge. I would still back City for a win. Uh, Mudrik is someone, I am a bit confused about how they are going to use him given that Martinelli is such an explosive talent on the left and uh, Mikhailo Mudrik seems to play most of his uh, playing time, uh, you know, cutting in from the left wing and they still have Emil Smith-Rowe to come back. Uh, so I am not sure, you know, how they are going to uh, make all the squad members count and how, like what are the ramific uh, you know, ramifications for the squad going forward. but. What's for sure is if they end up completing the transfer, Arsenal will have a really explosive attack. So, uh, other teams have to watch out. Because I, I have not seen Mudrik much, but I've been reading some really extraordinary stuff about him. Poor. So, that may be some of the reasons why they're going into or being linked with players like this. They have quite a few people there. But, for, for example, I think Inketia is a pretty large drop-off over the likes of Jesus. So, that's where I think their depth is a little to be questioned. Uh, even after, even say Saka gets um, gets injured, I think they are looking at a little bit of um, a huge drop off. I would say after that, and Martinelli, let's not forget, is very young. He's still. Um, I I don't know whether you can count on him 100 out of 100 every time. So maybe they're just de-risking in that sense. Um, they had they had some uh, some kind of depth brought in in the summer for that attacking midfield position where they've got a backup for Odegaard, but none of the other positions, I think, have a really high-quality backup. So, maybe that's where it's coming from. Yeah, and uh, you talked about the strength and depth as well. Uh, one team that never has to question uh, strength and depth is uh, Man City. They've got Haaland up front and they were recently crowned world champion Julian Alvarez as the backup striker who, who barely gets a kick out. So, that machine is still going on fine. They don't seem to be in any spot of bother. I guess probably it's going to be like one of those seasons, two or three seasons ago, when it was the City-Liverpool games that decided uh, the season. It might just end up being the Arsenal-City game as well. And coincidentally, the first one of that was delayed because of some reason. I can't remember which one was it. Ah, that was because of the backlog of a game because of the Queen's death. So... City versus Arsenal might be something to look forward to. But City, I don't see City losing to Arsenal. That's the point. I mean, with Haaland in tow, and I keep saying Haaland, 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 but it's it's the other folks as well. They don't seem like they'll lose to Arsenal. Uh, I think everyone apart from Pep Guardiola uh, probably thinks that Arsenal is uh, going to win the title. Uh, I was reading this really interesting article on The Athletic about how Pep Guardiola has had to tweak uh, his, tween, uh, his, his team quite a bit this, this season and um, the article goes about, goes to talk about how he's using the uh, Riyad Mahrez and Jack Grealish uh, kind of uh, system um, even though he does not really want to do that and the reason he has to do that is because when he has the likes of Haaland and Foden, they are only concentrating on you know uh, finishing the attack whereas Guardiola would want the team to be a bit more calm in the offensive third and pass the ball a bit more around so that they're in control of the game. And that's that's how 
Pep Guardiola's teams usually work, right? Um, what that means is that uh, when Haaland and Foden are playing, they are susceptible to losing the ball a bit more, right? And when that happens, they concede. Uh, that has happened in the game against Newcastle as well, if you remember the three all games. Uh, and it, I think it happened in uh, in one more game. I'm forgetting forgetting now. But even in the in the game against Leeds, the, when they actually conceded, it was because they were too quick to you know um, uh, attack the attack the goal. So <clears throat> that is what Guardiola is fearful of. City are conceding more than what they would usually concede in other seasons, and that is something that uh, that can lead to their downfall. Uh, going forward, uh, but aside from that, obviously the history fa- history favors City, and they obviously have a much better ammunition up front. They have better s- squad depth as well, uh, which should see them through. Uh, but there are these ifs and buts moments where you know uh, where where Man City could potentially lose it. Some interesting uh, tactics uh, from Guardiola in this match again. Uh, he has used these inverted fullbacks quite a lot uh, this season and last but what was really interesting about how he used Rico Lewis was it didn't even seem inverted like on the ball uh, the guy was completely occupying a defensive midfield uh, position and what that was allowing City to do was to push Gundogan and KDB into the attacking midfield slot so uh, KDB was overlapping underlapping Mares quite a lot it was almost as if you know it's a like two wingers operating there in that, uh, you know, inside right and right space. And Gundogan was also able to push forward and almost into a number 10 position, you know, behind Haaland and doing what he does best, which is making those, you know, late runs into the box. Uh, Grealish uh, had some really comical misses, uh, like all the, you know, jokes uh, with, uh, uh, you know, with the Newcastle striker, sorry, uh, uh, like that is becoming a you know a bit of a meme fest for him, but otherwise I think he played well. He uh, was able to lay on two assists as well. So overall, you know, it's been working. Uh, uh, it, it's working quite smoothly for City, I would say. And the 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 reason that I would still favour City over Arsenal is that I think when it comes to the crunch and you know games start to bite, I think the City have the know-how and all the experience that they can use to kind of pressure Arsenal. We have seen that in the past. I think a bit with Liverpool as well in one season where Liverpool were probably 7 or 8 points, 6 or 7 points ahead. So, we still have those matchups to come. Yeah, so I <clears throat> I hear what you guys are saying, but I don't think, I think that the fact that I've reached 51-49, I think I'm ready to stop writing Arsenal off now. I think um, that's probably where I am. So, even Swag, when you mentioned that in that Arsenal City game, I don't see a City losing... I'm not ready to put my hand up and put money on the table on that. I really don't uh, think so. In fact, in this game as well, uh, like RK referenced, Grealish was having uh, not not a very good night where he was missing a lot of really easy chances. And you could see it. It was building up into one of those uh, banana skin games. And Melier was in form. He was saving whatever was thrown his way. And that one moment, uh, by the way, I was 
I think the class of City stands out in the first touch that I think it was Gundogan. He took, he got the ball, it was dropping from the sky and he just took a first touch to the side and the Leeds um, player who was uh, closing him down just was nowhere in the picture. Uh, that level of class and then it went to a, a, a KDB who played like an insane uh, ball with the outside of his foot as well. KDB looks like he's loving playing with these young, energetic uh, you know, really action-filled players that he was complaining about not having at Belgium. What the Belgium people must be thinking of KDB after all, you know, the horrible form that he showed for them. Definitely there must be some grouses and, you know, salt in the woods for Belgium. What do you guys think? Oh, definitely. They, they have a lot of people to question the work ethic and uh, the desire to do something while in Belgian colours. I don't think KDB is the only one. Um, I mean, whatever we talked about in terms of Lukaku, you can't fault that, that he made an effort. Those efforts were piss poor, but he at least made those efforts. But people like um, KDB, Kotoa, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, these guys, these guys had a really, really bad attitude uh, in the World Cup. Goes to show probably something wrong in the dressing room. But uh, now that he's back at City, KDB is back to being the beast we know he is and what he's capable of. So probably the setting change has helped him. But uh, going from one United and Leeds to a couple of others who are chasing the top four in Newcastle and Manchester, I'm, I'm conscious of time and thinking, are these guys part of the top four race or are these guys part of those outside title challenges? Maybe more so in front of, uh, in, in terms of Newcastle because we are expecting them to buy tons of players. I, I know RK is already shaking his head in terms of Man United, but these guys are not too far off, right? I mean, not too far off from third, not too far off from second. What do we think? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I talked about it a little bit earlier when we were discussing Arsenal. Um, Newcastle looked like another, another of the teams that was really in sync uh, this week. You, you had a lot of teams which were kind of, um, there was a proper hangover in a lot of cases. I think Leicester were one of them. Uh, the other, maybe Palace was really off, off color as well. Um, but Newcastle was on fire. I think their their interplay, their passing and moving, the likes of Almiron and Joel Linton who were on fire before we left um, were looking really sharp as well. Uh, that being said, I was really look so I really expected Arsenal and Newcastle to kind of slip up uh, in this in this week coming back from the World Cup being on a real tear before the World Cup um, being like tricky opposition I would say in both accounts um, so I was really expecting them to have a hard time but in the first or I don't know third minute Amarte proper hangover challenge like he was 20 hours late to that challenge uh, and they went on and scored the penalty. And after that, it was all Newcastle to Almiron. I'm waiting for that bubble to burst, but it just doesn't seem to burst. I mean, just before we and we bro- broke for the World Cup, he had this goal, which kind of the ball ricocheted off everybody. And then he ended up through on goal. And he had the same kind of finish that he had uh, on Boxing Day as well. His his demeanor, his the calmness that he's showing now in front of goal, it's I, you can't call this a fluke anymore. This this guy is unrecognizable from the Almiron that I've seen in the past. He's taking all the right decisions. Unbelievable evolution of a guy who I thought was very average and limited. And everything seems to be going Newcastle's way as well. Uh, Newcastle seemed to be a really well-coached team, right? So, uh, they obviously had 
they didn't have a lot of players playing at the world cup so that that really helped with the with the preparation for this particular game uh, and i agree with radha i'm waiting for the bubble to I was rather waiting for the bubble to burst. I was living in denial that you know Newcastle are probably in a false position, but they don't seem to be. Like they are one of those teams who who know what they're doing. Uh, they 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 have a proper plan in place. They their uh, their attack is all in sync. Uh, let's 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 not forget that they had two strikers missing. They did not have Wilson. They did not have Isaac as well. and still they were able to you know get in chris wood and you know kai bangs in a goal so that's i mean everything seems to be working for them um they don't have any uh, you know uh, other competitions to worry about unlike arsenal so i mean it's just it's it's just the it's just the premier premier league for them and uh, i i'm sure like top 4 is the is the uh, is the target for them and they are very likely to very likely to get that Swag, coming back to your question, they are, you know, they have played a game more than Arsenal. They are still seven points behind, uh, while they are close to City. United are, you know, eleven points behind Arsenal and six behind City. So that's still daylight, you know, between these teams. I would say. Yeah, I don't think he meant meant uh, the title. I think no one is that deluded, right? So uh, we are probably much closer to seventh than we are close to the first or the second spot. Yeah, but for, I think okay. I I I see your point in terms of the gap to the top two, but I also see quite a lot of positivity, like you had at the beginning of the Solskjaer era, but also a better footballing unit in terms of Manchester United. So I'm not saying that they will be title contenders, particularly now that they've also missed out on one of the targets that they apparently had and were two days from signing as well, but. Uh, I think top four should be definitely more than doable. I would expect Spurs to drop out and Man United to uh, take that four spot. Obviously, who's third, who's fourth, etc. That will come later. But I, I fancy these guys to make up the top four. Swag, uh, you are forgetting Liverpool there. Uh, while you know, uh, like this might sound like jinxing, but they have won three matches and we will come to them soon. Uh, but before that, let's talk a bit about United. I think uh, the exit of Ronaldo. Uh, I think we were having this discussion with Ashwin around is United a better side, you know, without him. And I think uh, uh, you know that answer is coming out very, very strongly in the last few performances. And you can see it in the movement of the players, right? Where once Martial has come in, and uh, they had a half with Rashford and Anthony and Bruno, which is probably the best four. Uh, while Anthony had an off game, I think the rotations and the fluidity which we saw in attack is something which is most welcome and uh, you know what is encouraging to note about every ten hag performance is the automatisms that he talks about so in the in the previous game the automatism was in terms of you know a lot of well worked dummies that people were giving so there was a move where bruno had dummied it uh, you know he dummied a ball into uh, van bisaka van bisaka and malasia also did you know a few great a dummies which ended up in shots so uh, you can see these patterns the first goal itself uh, there was a very well worked uh, you know set piece routine uh, where you know the martial was holding off one of the defenders and rashford came into space and finished it out first time so there are good things to see in terms of the you know pattern and people are able to slot into roles so uh, like luke shaw coming in at center back and playing a good game 
so definitely a lot of good things that Ten Hag is producing. Uh, Casemiro, I think, was the man of the match. Had a brilliant game in terms of winning the ball back and you know dictating the play. Uh, uh, like a lot of us have talked about him a lot during the World Cup, and he was just producing you know more of that. Uh, however, you know the striker problem and the lack of depth that we have in certain positions is something which will be a problem for United. We are almost bankrupt. We don't have any free cash at the moment, so we'll have to probably go with this you know squad uh, for the rest of the season. So that's that's going to be a pain point for United. No money coming in from all that cash freed up from Ronaldo's weekly salary. No, just twenty five million in the bank. Uh, but let me let me take this chance to address it once and for all. I never said that United. Uh, yeah, sorry, I never said that I don't agree that United play well without Ronaldo. What I mean is that we should not be disrespectful to our legends. And also, I meant that. Eric Ten Hag and United should have not should have sold him or should have tried to sell him before the start of the season. Anyway, um, speaking of this particular game, um, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Casemiro. Like we know the the player that he is. Like he he made that Real Madrid team which won five Champions League look so good. We always talk about the Modric and the Cruises of the world, but it's those. Invisible things that Casemiro does really well, and he did that, and he has been doing that really well this season as well. I know we only played Nottingham Forest, so let's not get too ahead of ourselves. But even in the game against Chelsea and against Spurs, he did that job so well. And um, uh, again, what Casemiro actually brings to the team is those attacking transitions. Like whenever we whenever we lose the ball, right? He he almost sent. He has this. He has the sixth sense, and he knows, you know, where where the attacker is going for for the ball. So he covers that space up. The second goal, I think, which Martial scored, I'm forgetting who scored the second goal, but the second goal that United scored, uh, I think Varane gets pulled in by the defender, uh, by the attacker, and um, there's this there's this space that is left behind uh, him, and Casemiro covers that. He anticipates that the ball will go there. He gets the ball. And then he passes it to the attacker. Yeah, I'm not even going to step into the, all these comments about not having money in the bank. I mean, it's yeah, sure, okay, that's some weird stat of the cash available and all that. But they want money. It's, it's, it's called a, it's called it's called a balance sheet rather, and it clearly states that we had 25 million. Uh, that's because we have been servicing the debt. That and how and how does how does this balance sheet change, Ashwin? Like how 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 do people keep adding? Uh, funds to their balance sheet and that, that's definitely going to be something that you will see in the coming weeks just as they're going to sign somebody uh, anyway don't don't I don't want to get into that um, I I I think I've been waxing lyrical about Casemiro all through the World Cup and he was outstanding but for me the the player of the game actually for me was Rashford um, he I think I had come in I had serious doubts about his ability to deliver as a number nine, and I still have those doubts. I don't think he's an efficient player. I don't think he's uh, he does a lot of things that perhaps somebody would want as a number nine. But on the left, uh, he was just outstanding when he played for England, and for me, he was the player of the game this uh, in, at Boxing Day as well. He scored a beautiful goal. He that setup for Martial's goal was a typical Rashford in full flow kind of goal, getting the ball running at the defense, cutting back, finding a player in space, 
Um, he had a superb crossfield ground pass on a counter which set up the Anthony chance which he should have scored as well. He could have got another goal which was saved by the keeper. Um, I think for me, Casemiro and Rashford were fighting for that MOTM and for me, uh, uh, Rashford really took it up. He- One more magic wand intervention, if you guys remember, came from our very own swag. In the episode, in, or in the weeks leading up to the World Cup, he, you know, picked on two teams. One was Everton, I think at that time they had the best defensive record in the division or something like that with a very, very inferior XG. And then Swag also talked about Leicester having a certain unbeaten run, etc. And look what happened to both those teams. Yeah, yeah guilty as charged, guilty as charged. I, I think I probably... I mean, okay... Truth be told, we did say that uh, Everton were overperforming their XG station. It seems that it has finally caught up to them and Frankie might be going soon to his fat Frank days uh, if things keep going this way. But uh, yeah, guilty as charged there, uh, <laughs> no comebacks. If I remember right, he also said something about Bournemouth. I think they went on some two or three games unbeaten and then suddenly Swag was on the, hey, what about Bournemouth? <laughs> and then uh, going back a bit further, he said something about Chelsea's number nine scoring and uh, Obama Yang and all that. After that also he went on. I think Swag is the real jinxer in the group. I think uh, we keep mentioning Arun, who of course is our RK's twin brother, but Swag is the real powerful jinxer in this group. Yeah, but uh, the only difference is I'm an unintentional jinxer. <laughs> I'm, I'm not intentionally trying to jinx anyone. I mean, let alone why would I try to jinx Chelsea's number nine? But yeah, it seems like my words seem to have the effect uh, in the opposite direction. A jinxer is a jinxer is not born swag. It has jinxing thrust upon him. <laughs> do, do you also believe that Arsenal will finish sixth, as uh, RK's brother has predicted? No chance. No chance. I. I Oh, come on. Okay, now you're... <laughs> yeah, now you're wanting me to say that they'll finish in the Champions League spot so that they don't and, and a United fan can go home happy. But, uh, yeah, truth be told, I don't, I don't see them finishing outside the Champions League spots anyway. Anyway, we shall move on from this. And uh, I think another interesting thing to look out for was uh, Liverpool's return to the Premier League. And that also brought about another of those lightning quick transfers that uh, they usually do, which was again the case this week uh, with Cody Gakpo moving there two days after uh, Radha's best friend Fabrizio Romano said that let's he's, he's uh, going to be uh, coming to United and the deal is done, etc., etc. And suddenly he's been talked about in negotiations with Liverpool and a few hours later it's already been announced and PSV announced it and then they have to delete the tweet because it's not time yet. Liverpool, no staff, everyone's resigned, they're all going home and yet the machine keeps rolling on. Yeah, I mean, I'll get to the signing um, in a bit. I think the most encouraging thing for me was how good we looked in the game. Um, it was a potential banana skin. Aston Villa is a tough team. They have a good squad. Yes, granted, they, they were missing Emi Martinez, who I'm sure the highs that he's come down from in the World Cup, uh, he, he would have been a force to reckon with. But um, the attacking rhythm and intent was back. I think RK's um, talky moment of the week was, was, was a really important one for us. 
uh, I've always maintained that the success of our season and our progress will always be around Trent's attacking prowess rather than Trent's defensive prowess. Uh, he he was in full flow um, on Boxing Day. That pass was outstanding. Like I've mentioned, I think, in an episode a long time ago that he does what the likes of Gerard, Alonso, Scholes, they used to do. He does like five, six of those crazy balls every game. And, and we take him for granted really with the quality that he has. He had that pass, of course, that went to Robbo, but then he had so many cross-field balls that were finding people in space. When he plays like this, I think we look like a much better team. But yeah, I think um, it, was, it was a very uh, interesting game to watch as well. I think there was a point where we like it could have potentially gone anywhere, right? Like, uh, Ollie Watkins got that goal when Liverpool were 2 uh, two nil up and then obviously Liverpool got the insurance goal. Uh, I was just looking at the stats from the game as well. Uh, Arsenal had 12 shots uh, to Liverpool 16. Six of them were on target to Liverpool's nine. Um, so, as Radha mentioned, because uh, Liverpool's defence is not where it has historically been, that, that means that they have to rely on, on their on their uh, on their attack, which is, which has been great. Like talking about the Cody Gakpo transfer, uh, it it is obviously that has hurt the sentiments of a lot of United fans. Uh, I know United were linked quite heavily with Cody Gakpo. We made an offer as well, but then I think uh, Eric Tanhag wanted Anthony instead. Uh, in hindsight, it might not be, uh, you know, it might not be a bad thing for us to you know, potentially to miss out on Cody Gakpo. But of course, a lot of United fans were hoping for Cody Gakpo to join, to join Manchester United, especially after the, after the, you know, the, the performances he has had at the World Cup. It really blew me out of the water. Like I was on a high already winning that Boxing Day fixture, uh, Bacetich scoring, um, us looking so good. I was already on a high and then suddenly out of absolutely nowhere, what a bloody Christmas gift this was. Um, I, I It completely blindsided me. I didn't read a single link of Liverpool with Gakpo. It reminds me of the summer where we signed Darwin. I I assumed, from especially because of all the chat in our group, I just assumed that he was somebody that he was going to sign for one of our rivals. I didn't have any inkling that he was. we were even linked. Uh, but bloody hell, man. Welcome to Liverpool. Really exciting signing. Uh, I see this as a, a potential... Goal scoring left option option on the wing like a Mo Salah perhaps for the next five to seven years. Um, I also could see it as a four two three one formation change kind of signing. But what I think is most realistic is probably Bobby. He'll replace Bobby um, as that false nine at Liverpool um, and maybe interchange with uh, with Darwin when he moves to the left. So uh, this is something that I do think it will be the end of the road for Bobby. Possibly my favorite player of the Klopp era, maybe alongside Virgil. I love him to bits, but I don't think we're going to renew his contract based on this signing now. Another club that uh, signed a forward, and we talked about Chelsea number 9, was Chelsea, who signed David Datro Fofana and immediately loaned him back to Molde for the rest of the season. And hoping to see good things come off uh, this signing in the summer. But coming to the game... Chelsea finally won a game of in six league games. So, 16th October was the last time we won a game in the Premier League, which still keeps us eight. Honestly, I don't think anyone is going to argue with me if I say that Chelsea are definitely not 
in the top four conversation, right? We'll be somewhere like seventh, eighth, sixth. Not not top four definitely, but yeah, sixth, seventh, eighth or something like that. So, do you really think Chelsea will not finish in the top four after they have signed Jao Felix and Enzo Fernandez and? Uh, uh, I think even uh, this Fofana guy is dubbed as the new Haaland or something, right? Yeah, so Fofana is dubbed as a very heavily uh, potentialed guy, if I use football manager terminology. But uh, he's not going to play for Chelsea till the summer. So whatever his potential might be, it's not going to come in handy this uh, this season. No, I think uh, I think this Fofana guy is the next, um, uh, you know, Mamed Biram Dio United fans would remember. Came from Mondays, uh, you know, became a failure and went to Stoke City. Uh, to be honest, I know nothing about him. But but talking of Chelsea swag, I I would have definitely put them in the top four conversation if you know they had won this game in a normal way, you know, without any bad news. Reese James getting injured is again uh, it, it's a killer blow. Uh, with Reese James, I am being very honest. Chelsea look like a top four team whenever Reese James plays. I think. Yes, yeah, so he is obviously. One of, if not the most creative player we have, and I think me and Ab were talking before we started recording the last episode that we are missing uh, a really creative passer. So we could even move Reese into midfield, and he could be that he could be the person who would do that. But him missing takes quite a big uh, chunk of creativity out of our team, and it is said to be one month. It could be longer. We don't know. Um, so, considering that uh, City is just a couple of games away, I don't think that uh, that bodes well for us. Another stat that uh, goes against Chelsea is that we haven't beaten anyone from the top 10 this season. I mean, when when we played that team, uh, that team not being in the top 10 is are the only teams that we've beaten. So, yeah, not very confident. But let's see what January brings. Does Enzo Fernandez come in? Does so if you have Felix coming, I don't know, but if they do, hopefully that should bring more, more bite to the bark. Hey, so I don't, I really don't know uh, where you are coming with all this, like negativity swag. I mean, at the end of the day, Chelsea is one point, one point behind Liverpool, and I'm feeling pretty optimistic about Liverpool at the moment. So I have no idea what you're, where you're coming from. You're five points behind United, potentially. I don't know, I think four points behind Spurs if the game in hand. So I have no idea why you are being so negative. I think this is a classic jinx tactic. Um, that being said, I just have to mention the the amazing theme of Chelsea players, players showing up the finger all through uh, this, this, this week. So I think ZH did that all through the World Cup. And uh, Havertz and Raheem had blinders for Chelsea, I think. Um, they were they played some of their best games in a long time. Mount did as well, but I don't think Up has been as negative about Mount as the others. So great performance. I think it should have been more than two nil, and you held a clean sheet. You won two nil. Yeah, granted, Bournemouth were not great, but I think looking at Sterling's performance, I'm actually quite uh, optimistic about Chelsea's chances. The thing about swag in the you know uh, in the duration of around 30 minutes has realized his. Uh, Powers and is awakening to his powers, and that's what you see. Yeah. I think you know, getting traumatized by Raza now. He started off with Ziyech and Pulisic during the World Cup, and I think I think Abbas now got uh, like Abbas now really scared of you know Raza coming after him with the next player. So today it's Havertz and Sterling. I think that's why Abbas not on the board. 
Yeah, okay, this is this is turned into a three-on-one uh, debate now. But uh, yeah, okay. Uh, whether you consider it jinxing or not, uh, I'm not very optimistic about Chelsea. But just just to balance that and the fact that you talked about us not being here, I'll, I'll take on his mantle a bit and say that Spurs are shite and they don't uh, deserve to be in the top four. And I hope that by the time the season ends, they're out of it. Uh, they they start. I mean, it's, they've had a six-week gap, and they still start games by giving the front foot to the opposition, letting them score once or twice, and then thinking, yeah, okay, you know what? We we we're supposed to be playing this game as well. Let's try and do something about it. Okay, right. Let's wrap this up and uh, talking about our games to go, talky game to go. We've got a load of games coming up. We got a full package on Friday to Sunday, and then Monday to Thursday again, another lot. So. I think we've talked quite a lot about Arsenal, and they have slightly tricky fixtures coming up in in terms of Brighton away and Newcastle at home. So that should uh, that should give us uh, some more idea about where Arsenal stand, right? If that 51-49 that Raza talked about, if it's going to become 52-48 or 50-50, this should give us some more uh, idea about that. For me, in the next two games that Arsenal have, Brighton and Newcastle. If they get four to six points in these games, I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to 65-35 after that. I think I think this is going to be a really challenging point of the season for Arsenal. And if they can, without Gabriel Jesus, if they're able to get four to six points in the next two fixtures, I'm all in on Arsenal. A game to look out for, and one which I'm not looking forward to, but still looking out for, is Chelsea versus City. Holland and company coming to the bridge, and I don't know what they're going to end up doing, but uh, yeah, that should be the highlight of next weekend. Not weekends, next, the next to next game week. This this compressed schedule has quite toyed with what you call midweek, what you call weekend. But uh, yeah, this game is on Thursday, if I'm not mistaken, and that should be the highlight of the next game week uh, to come. Yeah, I'm not sure, uh, Swag. If uh, your uh, talky moment of the week next week would again be uh, the Haaland goals against Chelsea. I, I mean, uh, I think his talky moment of the week. Come on, Ashwin, think, think big. I think his talky moments of the week are going to be Raheem Sterling against the hand that used to feed him. That's 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 going to be the talky moment for next week. Um, but, Inshallah. Uh, I mean. <laughs> Uh, for some reason, right now I'm a little less bullish about City as I was when we broke for the World Cup. So I think this will maybe just get me back into context. Perhaps this weekend, uh, this week, if they deliver against Chelsea, maybe then I'll get slapped into reality. Perhaps that's what. But I do think that Chelsea have a good chance against City. It's at the bridge, if I if I remember right. So there's always a there's, it does have a play a role as well. Um, so yeah, I do think Chelsea can get a point or three uh, out of this game. So let's let's see how that goes. And if that happens, I think another point to say that it's coming home for Arsenal. Uh, we talked just a wee bit about Spurs and how irritating they are. I think uh, with the fixtures that they have coming up, uh, you know, with Villa and Forest, if I am not mistaken. Uh, sorry, it's Villa and Palace. I I I only believe that they are going to be in that you know top four mix after the next two games when we again catch up. They would again have uh, you know done some kind of a comeback and uh, you know got those points. So 
let's be prepared for more irritating spurs talk guys i i don't think did we i don't think we talked about spurs much in this podcast uh, maybe we can just like i have to say kane i mean the guy's a machine on boxing day whatever he has for his august woes he's making up for it on boxing day he's now the top scorer in in premier league history on boxing day fixtures um he got another one this week in the haland story kane is going unmentioned but he scored tons of goals this season as well almost a goal a game but it's because of haland that we're not placing too much emphasis on him and he's keeping them afloat quite a bit and he's leading those uh, a goal was a, a goal a goal a game is so last year swag you're talking <laughs> about 40, 45 to 50 this season now yeah yeah i mean if 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 not more let's see Uh, but you know talking of top scorers and uh, you know also remembering our dear friend up we have to uh, you know mention mitrovic as well the mitro watch didn't happen this week so again a goal and i think two assists so he is right up the charts as well yeah. <laughs> all those i've lost my password uh, excuses that up up keeps making like he, it's basically shut and forget for you don't need you don't need a password you don't need a password when you have mitrovic and haland in your team you really don't so i mean i have to put my hand up i was questioning mitrovic all through uh, especially only because only because i picked him uh, but uh, that guy was a force to be reckoned with in that team i think uh, he he showed real leadership as well if you if you look at the off takes off camera he was really getting everybody up he did the hurdles before they came on to the pitch as well he's taken up a real leadership role over there and i think that that's um, really led to fulham having a positive season this time and um, um i think probably for his manager he's not really had the best time in the premier league as well so mitrovic uh, and silva perhaps are using this as uh, to to counter their own jinxed previous seasons in the premier league Uh, Mitrovic has not done well that well in the past, and Silva has of course uh, got sacked uh, with Everton. Uh, so it looks like finally they're both uh, hitting the potential that they that everybody thought that that they would. Yeah, and that's caused uh, Fulham to be where they are. And for for a surprise, a surprising turn of events, we might see Fulham and Norwich together in the Premier League in, in the same season next season. If only Norwich can uh, get promoted, which I'm not sure that they're in line to do this season, but we shall see. Uh, for the time being, I think we will wrap this episode up here today. And listeners, we will see you after the double game week and um, reassemble to see where we are at. Who's getting sold? Who's not getting sold? Who's top of the table and who's in the top four pileup? For now, it's bye from us. Bye.